I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment. Hi, I'm Natasha Pasternak. Um, I'm originally a touring artist, songwriter, producer. I now lecture at UCLA or Belvert School of Music. I lecture songwriting, um, as well as I work in uh, correctional institutions, and I teach songwriting as a part of the rehabilitation, as well as um, juvenile detention centers. Um, and I have my own company called Desert Dream Creative, where I do similar things. Uh, I bring songwriting to either communities that want something different and creative to, to bring to their communities or to bring into corporations as part of a, of a team building exercise or into educational um, institutions. So I do it all. Many hats. <laughs> awesome. And last but not least, certainly uh, Jonathan. Hi. Uh, yes, I'm Jonathan McHugh. I am a uh, freelance um, uh, producer, director, composer. I'm sorry, not composer, music supervisor. Uh, I work with a lot of composers and I have been um, making movies for the last 15, 20 years, music supervising for about the same. And I also teach at American University in Washington, D.C. with uh, the legendary John Simpson. Awesome. Thank you all so much. And I just wanted to quickly thank uh, Lyric Fine for um, sponsoring, if I remember correctly, this panel. Um, so thank you very much for that, uh, Robert, and for your and your company. Um, so <laughs> there we go. Product placement. Um, uh, so we've, we've talked a little bit about how we're all getting on in this time, but and we're all still working, but in way different ways than before. What sort of things have come about um, maybe for the better. Specifically, I'm kind of curious, I had a little bit of a talk with Jonathan about how the process of patching sessions, for example, um, as you're going into work with, or uh, spotting sessions rather, um, as you're going into work um, and to put music to picture, um, perhaps with a composer and with um, a filmmaker, how has that sort of changed because of COVID? Um, do you think that there's going to be sort of an outcome that will exist in the future because of, of that? I mean, currently it's, it's been, um, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, a TV show that I'm on, we've been doing spotting sessions through a, um, system called pack post where we all get to see the content at the same time and comment on it. Um, you know, going over composer notes, going over music supervisor choices. Um, so that's been, Okay, it's there's nothing like the in-person nature of it, and you feel slightly disconnected. Um, you know, to have a lot of pre-records on set where they're performing pre-records mean they're uh, mouthing a song or creating a song on on set on uh, on while they're shooting, and to not be there just incredibly weird and feels like a bit of a loss. Um, and as we start a mix today, this week actually, you know, it's like I wanted to go because I'm vaccinated, I'm ready to go. Um, but, uh, they're like, no, it's going to be on, you know, it's going to be on this real cast thing or ever cast system and they won't let more than four people in the room. 
So, you know, after all this time, you'd like to connect with people and, and be there. And there's nothing like when you're doing a mix and you could say, yeah, you know, turn that up. And can you really get the fidelity on your computer speakers that you really need to be in the room? Um, and, you know, this TV show I'm doing called Blind Spotting, which was a movie. And when we mixed the movie, uh, it was went to Sundance and was the opening night movie at Sundance and Robert Redford introduced it and it's called Blind Spotting. It was on Obama's top ten list and you know we were able we got a grant for Dol- Dolby Atmos so to be in the room at the Paramount uh, Michael Bay soundstage which is probably the, one of the finer sound stages in the world mixed sound stages and to be in that room and watch the sound hear the sound come around and now cut to you doing the TV show and you're doing it on your computer. It's like night and day, you know, there's nothing to it. Um, the blessing, only blessing for me on that level was over Zoom, I basically learned the, the to edit on Premiere because my editor was, you know, I'm in a very small room office here. And so, you know, he's all the way in the valley, he's 45 minutes away on a non-traffic day. And so he was able to just come in on Zoom, work with me and let me do my thing and charge me less than he would to drive all the way down here to, to edit for me. So that technology has been really a blessing to be able to do that with Premiere over Zoom. Um, so I, you know, again, I'm a person, people person, so I'd rather be in the room always. But to keep things moving and not stop the ball rolling, it's efficient enough. Thank you for that. Um, it's kind of rolling off that same confident. I'm, I'm um, I'm intrigued about, and this is, I guess, for everybody, what I was going to start with. Um, we're bo- you're both working in music publishing, and classically, there's a lot of meetings, a lot of traveling, a lot of handshaking that goes on in that process. Obviously, a lot of email, too. But how have things sort of shifted as we've tried to support composers and um, lyric writers and creators um, and in your lines of work um, and try to keep the ball rolling? Um in the midst of that. And especially with Nika, um, what are we not understanding about um, sort of the market where you're from? Um, so, I mean, honestly, the main part of my my work was focused mainly on CD Baby, helping artists release music. The thing with India is, um, for, from the distribution point of view, I know it sounds weird, but COVID was actually a blessing, <laughs> you know, because in India, touring was the main focus. So most artists, you know, first thing was, okay, let's play shows, let's play shows. And then maybe we'll record a song later on, you know. And then last year, when the whole world kind of went under lockdown, they had nothing to do. So there were artists who had never released. I mean, these are artists who are touring and getting a lot of money, but they hadn't really recorded or done anything. Everybody started recording music and everybody started releasing music. So that was great. The other side of it was India is ruled by Bollywood. And majority of our music comes from Bollywood, you know, like 90% comes from Bollywood and regional film music. We all are music, you know, our movies are musicals. Because of the lockdown, there were no films coming out. And because of that, independent artists who were releasing music got to, you know, kind of shine. They got to be placed on playlists because they weren't competing with Bollywood anymore. So, you know, even though we couldn't have meetings that we couldn't go out and travel and I do a lot of workshops to educate, everything went digital. But from the distribution point of view and song creation and, you know, release, it was a blessing in disguise. I know this sounds horrible, but it was, <laughs> you know. My perspective, uh, Lyrifine, you know, has done very well this year. People listening to more streaming music. Um, and in a way, when artists get off the road uh, and 
are stuck, um, you know, having opportunities for them to do things in a different way and get their metadata together and get their lyrics to us. And to, we were able to, through a Canadian um, heritage grant, we were able to also pass along money to artists up front to get us their lyrics, which was the first time we have ever did that. Uh, so that was really nice to be able to help people while they were broke and freaking out, you know, uh, a bit. Um, so, you know, f- for us, it's been good for me personally, you know, uh, sometimes the societies who I deal with a lot aren't really that accessible if they're not in their offices. So that's been a little bit more difficult, but the publishers are all working hard. They're at home, you know, and if, and if you have a good relationship with them and you can kind of move things forward uh, on Zoom, because of, you know, what I do in the kind of general community, these be present everywheres and uh, the whole cab, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, music trade mission tour, which I changed this year to collective and beneficent, uh, same initials. So that was a tour of, of, of uh, music conferences that I routed so that executives could kind of meet Latin America. So I've been able to do many more conferences than I could if I was just flying everywhere. I, this is the third country that I'm in today, supposedly, but presumably. Um, so, um, you know, it's uh, a third conference and there's actually another one in China that I might go on later today. Um, uh, so, so, you know, and, and with the, in the publisher world, you know, we've had uh, Anna Bond from Song Trust. We've had Noel Gambuti. Uh, we had you know, Alex Gershwin kind of con- connecting through this, um, through this, this platform that, um, uh, I'm home, I'm working, you know, it's more, it's always been 24, seven, 365 for me, but it's 24, seven, 365 in one place, which is a little bit different. Um, so yeah, it's been a, you know, tragic year for many, but if we, when, if, and when we learn to pivot and do something new and do something in a different way, yes, there's a lot of great experiences that we lose because we're home, but also we gain a lot as well. So, so, uh, you know, the publisher world, the work world has not, uh, been hurt really at all. Everybody at Larry Klein's being just as, um, productive as they've always been. And, uh, it's, it's been good. I, you know, I still, want to get back to be able to hug people and see people and meet people and all the rest of it, like everybody. Um, but, uh, we're all working hard and I think, uh, doing well. And again, it's, it's events like this that, that make that possible. So thank you all. So in, I'm, I'm curious, um, and you actually teed up my question for Natasha really well, um, about the, the sort of processes of work and how that sort of stayed the same and maybe changed, but I'm curious both in your work, um, teaching and supporting um, other song, new songwriters who are going to come out into this post-COVID world um, and um, sort of the quote-unquote new normal and in your own creative process. Um, what sort of shifts have you seen? Um, you know, what's your sort of take on where we are, where we might be um, for, for those composers that are, might be listening? Yeah, um, you know, anyone who's in the entertainment business or the music business, sorry, if you can hear <laughs> fire trucks, um, you, it's the business of pivoting, you know, um, there is no forward straight, you know, path. You have to pivot and follow your, your own happened when COVID hit. I tend to, after doing this for, um, doing this since I was 15 years old professionally. So a long time, 25 years now, you just learn to go, okay, so this is where it's going. Let's see how we can utilize this. I got to be a participant in a songwriting camp where I was working with artists from Iceland, Denmark, 
um, Norway all at the same time, which I normally probably would have either had to go to those countries or they would have had to come to me um, to work with artists. I made a record. My husband's also a musician. We, the first month of uh, lockdown, we wrote and recorded a record, which we'll be releasing shortly. Um, so a lot of those things sort of came up as far as an educator, that was a huge journey for me because I'm all about being in person, connecting with students and mentoring students across, you know, being at UCLA, doing that also in the correctional institutions. So suddenly that was gone, that in-person connection of mentorship and encouragement in that direct way. So the first class I had to, tra- I had about a month to transition a course online that I normally did in person. And that was sort of the crash course. That was like, I learned all the things in that, in that course where, you know, music is connection, collaboration, um, community. So how do you do that when it's on a screen and how do you do that when people are suffering? Um, and to make what you're teaching seem important in that time when there a lot of, you know, the students and families, um, are going through so much uh, intense things like my past year with uh, the civil unrest and and COVID and and politically all of those things was just an intense thing. And then you expect them to pay attention to a two and a half hour lecture on the screen, being like, "Let's be creative." So when I boiled it all down, long long story short, when I boiled it all down, it's about actually just focusing on human connection and making sure we can find ways to create a community in this new world. I'm really hopeful. I love it. I think so much can come out of this. Yes, we lost a lot. And there's big parts of the industry that just didn't work anyways. Um, And I think this will shift a lot of those parts. And maybe we can use this to find a new future for the industry, especially for the parts of the industry that weren't exactly working. A lot of parts of touring wasn't working for artists, but we just accepted it because that's what it was. Um, So I think maybe there's some leveling going on um, and I'm pretty hopeful, but I think it's, I've had nothing but, you know, wonderful growth in my own process as an artist and as an educator. Awesome. That's great to hear. I'm kind of curious. um, And this is for kind of open, open uh, uh, call for anybody who's interested in, in answering, but maybe what should we look forward to continuing, you know, uh, I, I love the theme that Natasha was talking about connection and this idea of supporting our, um, you know, creators and composers, you know, there is going to be some sort of shift back to a new normal. Um, and I'm curious what sort of things outside of maybe just what's worked for well for us that for the broader community, we think might be a way that we could, um, you know, what, what's a change that should continue or how we might support folks going forward just heard Martin Atkins on the Canadian one. I was in Indy 101 a little while ago and he was saying next time he gets his kit together and he's playing, he's definitely going to have his computer right there and, you know, all his fans on it and everything else. And, you know, so we've, we've definitely, you know, with a bunch of F-bombs in there, as you know, you know, Martin, uh, but, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the idea is that the only thing we can count on is change and uh, we're always changing and there is no new normal. And, you know, whatever is going to be today is going to be today. Whatever is going to be tomorrow is going to be tomorrow. And we're all the ones that are the change agents, you know, everybody listening, everybody here, we're the ones who are, are, are making change. Uh, um, and, and, you know, I think 
but of course there will be uh, this connectivity that we, and I think there'll be a lot more collaboration and less, you know, competition and more, more working together. I think uh, everybody being home has gotten them to like kind of settle down and sit down and reflect and think about what can be better. And, you know, at least that's my optimistic, yeah, my, idealistic uh, view. Go ahead, yeah, Jonathan. My take on it is, um, you know, as I started an organization with a bunch of other people about, 11 years ago called the Guild of Music Supervisors. We've had a lot of amazing growth. Um, but this year, for example, we want, we love doing, you know, like four, three or four trade missions per year with different um, entities. So this year we were able to do the Nordics, we were able to do the Japan, and we were able to do Australia. And those are people that they're so far away, it's very hard for them to get here, even in a good year, um, because the cost of travel and hotel, and then we do, you know, we, we work with them and they meet the music supervisors. We, they play us music and uh, do showcases or whatever. So it's actually very efficient to do to do it on um, Zoom because, you know, they pre-record their stuff and then the artists are on and they can play us their stuff and we can talk to them, which is what I love doing, interacting with the um, with the talent and their managers and or publishers or labels. So we, we love those kind of connectivity uh, pieces with international artists because as a music supervisor, you don't care what the music you know where it's from as long as it sounds great like i was telling i was telling uh Renika that we just licensed some stuff from uh filipino rap or indonesian rap i'm sorry for a t- the tv show i'm doing and you know it's great that cd baby has that thing and we can get that from them and you know so we always look to do a better international reach out to connect connect people together um, and Zoom is actually very effective and very, very cost effective. I should say it's not like there's nothing like going to see a band and hanging out with that band and having a beer with that band and meeting people from the different entities. As Robert says, you know, Robert does a great job and, and cruising the world and, and, and putting people together. So um, we love doing it, too. And, and if Zoom is the way it is, we'll take it for now. I think it's like coming off what you're saying, like accessibility. I grew up with artist parents and they didn't have the income for me to go and buy a hundred dollar ticket to see, you know, fill in the blank. So now I can live stream, I can pay the 10, $15. It's not the same experience, but it's an experience that I was missing out on. And well, so I feel like you want to that band and gets you deeper in. So when you can, well, the next time they do come in, you know, you already know the material, which makes you mm-hmm. stronger and makes the attendance a better look for you because mm-hmm. it's always a better thing when you know material of an artist, you get to go see it's a deeper connection and see them in the living room. How cool is that? Yeah, much more intimate on this uh, yeah. <laughs> stuff. More intimate connections with people and all of those great connectors. And really, if you're an artist with a lot of fans, you almost have to be a great connector. I mean, you know, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga. You know, they're amazing fan connectors. And you know, but you get to actually—not that they're necessarily in their living rooms—but you know, Melissa Etheridge, fifty-seven shows in a row. You know, every day, fifty dollar, one thousand subscribers, fifty dollars a month. You know, um, not bad. Um, I mean, talking about from the artist's point of view, I mean, I feel like because of technology and because of how things have changed from an Indian artist's point of view, I feel like they've started exploring other avenues, which they hadn't. And I feel like that is something that would really benefit them. You know, our industry, even though it is growing, is very, you know, it's still very, you know, live and Bollywood and whatever. But now they're like, okay, I can collaborate. Oh, I could release music. Oh, there's something called publishing. I had no idea, you know? So they're, I'm hoping that trend of exploring different avenues where you can actually make money from different, you know, different, you know, things kind of continues and not just keep them, you know, all the eggs in one basket kind of thing. Cause that's what we need. Cause like Robert said, things, you know, things are always changing. We don't know what the future holds. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's this sort of um, beneficial uh, nature to all this Zoom connection, at least, you know, as much as it's not fun and we all get Zoomed out, it sort of pre-warms the oven or pre-warms the connection um, that people can maybe um, take advantage of later on. The fact that we could even all be in the same place without having to fly a million miles. Like I'm in the middle of the U.S. People are all over the place. And um, it, that's so, so great. Um, I guess I'm curious um, about um, because of the increase of people sitting at home and watching things on TV. You know, I, I sat and watched Iceland Airwaves Music Festival because um, I'd missed going and was willing to pay the money for the ticket. And there's been a million other examples of that. With the increase of streaming, um, both for, um, you know, for everybody here, um, do you think there's more uses um, and more income actually coming out of it for songwriters? Um, more opportunities maybe to be placed because of, there's so much streaming content happening or streaming festivals? Well, I mean, for, for the placement side, I mean, we're always, music supervisors as a whole are always on the lookout for great music that will serve their projects well. And, um, you know, the more you can find uh, people can get you that music, whether it's a Spotify, whether it's the band camps, whatever it is, but it's all about the knowledge. Um, and there is a, too many of the live streams to keep up on, but for the ones that you target, it is a good way to deep dive and go, Oh, that song, you know, that song actually may work in this scene. So the more people are out there doing it and performing and getting it to people like us, um, the more opportunities, chances they have to be found out and to be licensed. And people are in communities more now. So there are these communities like the Music Supervisors, Guild of Music Supervisors, or like, you know, our common friend Mark Friesers, Sync Summit, Sync Chats, you know, and, and they actually really establish communities among people who are teaching each other what to do, how to do it, how to do it better, you know, and maybe uh, relieving some of the pressure to go tour. Because remember, most touring artists don't make money. You know, they're, they're doing it to build a career, to build a fan base, whatever. It's only the mid-level and top-tier artists who generally make money touring. So, you know, in terms of family life, in terms of everything else, you know, this is an opportunity to do things differently in a way that could actually be better for everybody and benefit everybody. And everybody can connect virtually, if not physically. Are, are any of you seeing both as a, a writers or publishers or working in the industry and it sort of riffs off of what Robert was maybe mentioning earlier, are you seeing a delay in getting songs registered um, with performing rights organizations or interactions with those due to, due to the pandemic and maybe other technological issues? From, from my perspective, some uh, organizations are much better than others. Uh, I'll just say that, um, you know, some organizations have call anybody out, but, no, but some organizations have a, have a ton of problems. I mean, uh, Chuck, I think mentioned uh, BMI and ASCAP. Uh, you know, I know that ASCAP pivoted really, really quickly. I know that Beth Matthews saw the, uh, this coming, the pandemic coming back in January or, you know, cause I have good friends at ASCAP and totally got everything ready. And within a week, they were paying everybody and doing everything right. I'm not so sure about BMI, BMI and I'm not so sure about the songs registry, but I'll pass it over to Ritnika. She, you know, she, she can uh, talk to that. I know IPRS is kind of a strange one, as they say. Uh, I don't think it's any better or any worse, if, if I could answer that question honestly, because... Okay, I hope nobody from IPRS is watching this, but I don't <laughs> But like, I mean, honestly, they're trying. So I know they came up with the whole streaming policy and things like that. But honestly, right now, I don't really consider 
publishing in India really publishing to be fair like IPRS has a lot of other problems and I don't think the pandemic was really <laughs> that much of a problem before, you know so I think we need to get all our other ducks in the row before we can even deal with how COVID and the pandemic has affected us you know. In India it's it's all the old way of how much money for MGs uh, which is like more India than any other country in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and because it's Bollywood, because it's built on a history yeah. of exactly. filmmaking. So it's a, different, it's a different animal than any other country in the world. Yep. So we only have about two minutes left. I'm wondering if there's any sort of final takeaways um, on this that you wanted to share um, with, uh, with the audience. Sort of your, if you have a golden nugget of wisdom or a takeaway, um, feel free to go ahead. Don't give up. That's all I got to yeah. say. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Yeah, and it's up to you to make it get better. It's up to everybody to make it get better for themselves and figure things out and do things differently and try new things and connect to your communities and find new communities and just keep rocking. And, you know, uh, Martin also said an overnight sensation is takes seven years to, to, to get there. Uh, so, so uh, you know, be patient and be strong and do things, do things new. I think the best advice I've ever been given is use your limitations as the best thing about you or the most like unique thing about you. So the limitations that we have now use those to create something interesting, something out of the box. And then for, for me, I would just say, you know, for the creators out there, just keep creating and keep figuring out how to market yourself. You know, it's not enough, unfortunately, in today's world to just create, you have to figure out how in this vacuum of just so much product and information out there, you have to figure out how to get your music to people and, you know, tools like IMDb, where if you have a show that you watch, find out who the music supervisor is, see if that music is appropriate that you're making for those shows. Never reach out to supervisors blindly without knowing what they're working on, knowing that your music is appropriate. Um, make sure that you're really on point on your research. Thank you so much for everyone. Um, yes. I think uh, we're pretty much done. Um, so. <laughs> I think we, we may be done. Uh, I want to wave goodbye to everybody. Uh. Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado, Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors, Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.